and welcome back to Devils on the Rush. You have the fisherman here with Alex Chavance from the Hockey Writers and Infernal Access. So, Alex, busy weekend. Um, not the best weekend. Uh, not the start we were hoping for. And um, I never thought I'd be saying this, but thank God for the Jets. Yeah, the Jet. Thank God for the Jets. And then I guess for me, I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan, so I got that too. But yeah, first two Devils games felt, um, I guess the the best way to put it, a little all too familiar. Oh, we got a we got a third guest on the podcast. Am I hearing that right? We have a special guest. Uh, yeah, was that my, was that the the cat? Yeah, my feline friend Lucy. Also, she will be joining us in the recording booth today. Uh, <laughs> she's purely here for scratches. So, uh, all right, but we can continue. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Lucille. <laughs> Our first official guest uh, on the pod. Um, so, yeah, uh, awful, awful start to the season, Alex. Uh, yeah. We, we, we could start, you know, we, we got a lot to cover this episode. We have a few new segments for our listeners. Um, but before we get into that, I think we're going to start off with uh, the recaps of the Flyers game on Thursday and then the home opener of the Red Wings. Uh, the Flyers game on Thursday was abysmal. Uh, there's no other way to put it. I was in attendance. I know Alex was watching from home and did the game recap. Alex, why don't you give us your initial thoughts um, and, and what you saw on the ice that night? Yeah, so uh, that game, I thought they just started way too slow. Like uh, from opening puck drop, it just kind of like felt like the fires were dictating the game I think a little slow bit. Was an understatement. It was just noticeably flat. There was no yeah. energy. You know, for a team that had a lot of preseason hype, uh, some nice offseason moves. You know, a lot of the young stars looking to take the next step. You thought they would come out you know, against a depleted Flyers team that, you know, had their, I would say their top two or three players out um, in Cam Atkinson, uh, Couturier, and uh, I'm forgetting someone else, but they depleted lineup. They've traded away a lot of their star veterans and it was just flat. No other way to put it. Yeah, they didn't push play like I thought they were going to and it did get better as the game went on, but then just stuff we've seen over the last couple of seasons that have played the Devils, played them again. Mackenzie Blackwood was not good. Um, he gave up a, that first goal he gave up was terrible. Uh, he's got to control that rebound. Ryan Graves did lose his man on that, so that's why Wade Allison had an easy tap-in on the rebound there. But um, he's still – but that, like, that puck should have never gotten loose to Allison to begin with. Uh, so, like, that's kind of the stuff, you know, that we had seen over the last two seasons. Uh, these – breakdowns, bad goaltending, defensive breakdowns, players out of position, stuff like that. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed a little bit, and the Devils tried to fight back. They were generating more chances as the game went on, especially after Lindy Ruff mixed up the lines and put uh, Jaeger, Sharon Govich, and Jesper Bratt on the line with Jack Hughes. They started generating more chances, but at that point, it was too little, too late, and... They lost 5-2. They, they couldn't come back, especially since Blackwood gave up at least two bad goals. You could probably argue three of the four he gave up were bad, and obviously the fifth one was an empty netter. So, yeah, it just felt all too familiar. And I was like, all right, well, that's all you know, too familiar. That felt familiar but it's the, fir- it's the first game of the season, so like, we'll see. Yeah, sure. That's what I said. First game of the season. Let's see what happens on Saturday. Um, before we get to Saturday's dumpster fire, um, there were some bright spots, right? And well, before I get to the bright spots, I do want to touch on the Ryan Graves thing. It was noticeable multiple times how out of position he was going for a hit or or just just bad reads. I, I remember specifically there was a play where he went for a big hit at the blue line. Not only did he miss the guy on the hit, then he left John Marino on a two-on-one. And thank God, because John Marino p- played the 201 great, was down on the ice, prevented a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity. But it, it was not only on the one goal was he out of position, but I consistently saw it throughout the night. And not something I'd expect from a veteran D-man, especially in a contract year. 
Yeah, that was a little surprising, and I think we're going to get into like that whole general topic a little bit later in the episode, but yeah, I mean, Marino kind of bailed them out in a couple of odd man rushes. Todd Cordell had even pointed it out on Twitter that uh, Marino was just absolutely erasing these really, what could have potentially been dangerous chances for the Flyers, so yeah, I mean, it's good that he had a par- stable partner back there in Marino, but yeah, Graves wasn't, was a was struggle for they him have in have game a potential one. nickname in the works for John Marino. Oh, do we? The eraser. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way he plays, it's probably going to be perfect for him. So I got, I got no well, problem we'll with that. We'll have to give credit to Todd on that one. So shout out to Todd. But yeah, you know, work in progress. We're still whiteboarding. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, um, okay, let's get to the bright spots, though. I mean, we did see a goal from the one person we wanted to see a goal from, right? Uh, he only had one in the preseason. Thank you, Lucille. I know we were all very excited Alexander scored. So <laughs> what what did we see from Alexander Holtz that we liked? He <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, I can't help laughing. So, I know, I'm sorry. I had to uh, that's that funny. Lucille had her piece and that's enough. Um so <laughs> Alexander sorry guys, you know, it's Sunday night and we've been gone all weekend, so she wants some attention. But <laughs> Alexander Holtz scored a goal on the rush on the power play. Uh, that was the only bright spot on the power play because otherwise it looked awful um, and was 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 <laughs> terrible movement. Um, yeah, nothing else to say. It was just bad. It it was had shades of nightmarish uh, movement that we saw in previous seasons and. I mean, I, I can't even get into the combinations because they made no sense to me. Um, but it, then again, I'm not the coach. But Alex, would you? What did you take positive from from the first game? Uh, so yeah, Holtz was definitely one of them. I thought he looked more than comfortable, even though they're just kind of limiting his minutes a little bit to begin. I guess to get his since he's really still getting his feet wet in the NHL. But yeah, he looked good. He was. Um, the only pro player who really generated any chances on that power in the power play in general in that game. Uh, so it makes you wonder why he's on the second unit, but he looked good. Um, it was a little surprising that he kind of got a demotion against the Red Wings. I thought he should have been playing up the lineup. Uh, but yeah, I like what I saw from him. And I think if he plays like that more often, he's just going to have to force Lindy Ruff to play him in the top nine at a minimum, even the top six probably because you know, they only got four goals through their first two games, and even though they're generating chances, they haven't been able to finish them yet. And Holtz, is, Holtz and Sharon Govich are, are probably easily the best shooters on the team, so you're going to want to play them in scoring positions. And I think eventually he's going to force his way into a scoring role and probably in the top six. Yeah, and when you say force, I literally think you are going to have to force Lindy to play Alexander up the lineup. It's just been baffling some of these lineup changes and, and decisions that Lindy has made after seeing pretty consistent lines throughout the preseason, or at least through practice and, and pregame skates, and then just, you know, putting them in a blender and, and, and serving them up for, for game time. It, it's been kind of baffling. A- any thoughts on Lindy's line decisions through the first two, or at least through yeah, the first so, one? Yeah. So, uh, I don't remember the the line combinations off the top of my head for the first game, but I remember what they ended with, and I remember that Brat, Sharon Govich, and Hughes were the top line to end the Flyers game, and I thought they would start Saturday that way because they played so well together in a limited sample in the third period against the Flyers, but they they didn't play together at all, and Sharon Govich, for whatever reason, was playing on the fourth line. I, I didn't really understand stand that because I thought Sharon Govich played really well against the Flyers. You were talking about bright spots before. I think he was one of them. So that was surprising to me. Um, I just think they're getting a little too cute with these line combinations, uh, especially since they're not scoring goals right now. You just kind of have to go back to what you know works. And like, you know, based on history that Sharon Govich and Jack Hughes play really well together. So like put them together. And, you know, Jack has looked good in his first two games, but he hasn't found the score sheet yet. So put Sharon Govich with him. And then, you know, for like the last five plus seasons at this point that he sure and Jesper Bratt look really good together. So you should be playing those. You should be looking for pairs that work together. And like in the preseason, Eric Holland, Tomas Tatar looked pretty good. Uh, you could even put Fabian Zetterlin on that line. Uh, 
And I think they're just kind of overthinking the line combinations to start the season. Uh, I'm not really sure. I know they use analytics to like put some of these decisions together, but it's you know preseason. I don't know how much you can take away from analytics, and we're only two games into the regular season, so I'm not really sure what's going into their decision making when it's putting these lines together. But it's a little puzzling based on what's worked in the past, and they're not really trying that right now. So uh, you know. I completely agree with everything you said there, but I do have very one very important question for you, Alex. Is 16 minutes enough? 16? Uh, no, for just Brett, it is not enough. No. Uh, but it did give, yeah. He did play him more against the Red Wings. Like the, I didn't have an issue with the, uh, time, the time um on ice for really any player against the Red Wings because McLeod only played like four minutes, literally, because he was double shifting Jack and some of his better players. But yeah, 16 minutes ain't enough for just for bat. You got to get him out there like 20 minutes a game. Yeah, definitely. And, and shout out to our good friend Novo <laughs> for asking the hard hitting questions that it seems the Devils media has not done over the past couple years. Uh, and I mean, I mean, let's just get into that. I mean, Lindy storming off after game one, after getting. What, in my eyes, isn't even that tough of a question. I think it's a fair question. I think it's Jesper's been your best player last season um, or top two, your best point getter. And to have him playing third line minutes just is baffling. And and from everything I saw, Jesper was driving play. He was creating chances. It wasn't like one of those John Hines Jesper games where we're going to bench him because you're not seeing something from him. Jesper was a bright spot in that game and a multi-point score in that game so you know lindy wake up yeah and they needed goals that game and like he started playing him at the end when he was on the line with hughes and sharon go because obviously you're looking for goals those guys are going to see a lot of the ice but yeah i mean he, his total ice for that game was 1557 which is not enough i mean i posted um his shot attempt differential for that game on twitter and it was like 30 to 4 when he was on the ice and like Devils controlled like eighty eight percent of the expected goals, so he's a top line player, and he should be playing like 18, 19, 20 minutes a game, just like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. I mean, those guys are going to be playing those kind of minutes. Jack played twenty four minutes against the Red Wings. I don't know if Jesper Bratt should be playing twenty four minutes, but he should be playing like 19, 20 minutes. And um, yeah, I mean, he's got to be playing more. He's got to be playing more than he is. I and like you said, I, it was a fair question uh, by Novo in. 16 minutes is just not enough for a guy like that. And it wasn't a good look storming off like that, especially in the first game of the season. And I don't know, maybe it's a little telling of where things are heading right now. But yeah, it was definitely not a good start to Lindy Ruff right there, just walking out. Yeah. So uh, as he walked out, we walked into the home opener at The Rock against the up-and-coming Red Wings. I think you can draw a lot of comparisons between the two teams. I think you uh, have a lot of young talent with veterans sprinkled across the lineup. Uh, I think the one difference is is the Red Wings seem to have some goaltending and the New Jersey Devils seem to not. Uh, Both teams did bring in new goaltenders in the offseason. However, we did not get to see Huso. We saw uh, Novelkovic. who who seemed to play an unbelievable game. Um, I think the Devils outshot yeah. the Red Wings uh, by a decent margin. Um, yeah. And, and again, uh, in this game, we got first on the board. And then it just seemed like there was nothing there. Uh, it seemed like a lot of bad positioning, um, a lot of wrong decision-making, a lot of turnovers, a lot of sloppiness. Um, and again, a lot of missed opportunities where Jack makes an amazing play and then insert player name can't finish. Uh, Alex, what'd you see from the Red Wings game? Yeah. So I think it's, um, yes and, and no with like the, the turnovers and the sloppiness. I think it was some of that, but it was also like VTech Manichek was really bad too. Um, there was was a Jacob Vrana's goal was it was a pretty sick shot. I can't really blame um, Vanacek for not stopping that, but 
I mean, he gave up five I, goals I agree. and 1.9 expected goals, but I agree. It was, it was not a good snipe, performance right? from him. I agree that yeah, Gilgo was, was, was a snipe, but at the same time, he beat. <clears throat> if I'm remembering correctly, he beat him short side. I hate. Yeah, it was short side. Goalies, yeah, I hate when goalies get beat short side. Hug the yeah. fucking post. Hug the fucking post. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. no, I agree. It's a stoppable shot, but it was also a sick shot. So like, it goes both ways. But the rest of Vanacek's game was. Pretty rough, but there were defensive breakdowns in, in front of him too. So, like, the Verona goal was an odd man rush because Graves couldn't handle the puck at the blue line. Shocker. So, it's a two on it's a two on one coming back the other way. And Severson, I mean, he took he took the passing lane away, which is the right move on a two on one. Let the goalie you know, put him in a shooting position so the goalie could take it, and you know, he just fired didn't a great it. shot. Yeah, and he didn't save it. Um, then later. There was uh, Damon Severson back behind the net. He retrieves the puck, but he pins it along the board instead of reversing it to Ryan Graves. The the puck shakes loose. Vanacek plays it. It goes right to David Perron. And then um, that's 3-2. Yeah, 3-2 Red Wings right there. So, um, yeah, I mean... It's like I defensive mean, breakdowns like that. And then I think it was the fourth. I can't remember if it was the fourth or fifth goal for the Red Wings. But Tomas Tatar had the puck along the boards. He was trying to clear it. It goes off, I think, a Red Wings player. It doesn't get out. It's a turnover. Um, and then kind of just gets a little chaotic after that. And I think it was the fifth goal that the Red Wings scored. And that puts it away. And so it's like Vanacek's obviously not playing well because, I mean, you could argue he probably should have stopped four of the goals, three or four of the goals he he uh, gave up against the Red Wings. But he also had there was things going on in front of him that were definitely not helping him. So yeah, I mean, I and the, it's disappointing because the start of the Red Wings game uh, it looked much different than the Flyers game. The Red the Devils were clearly the better team in the first period, and I really kind of thought throughout the game the Devils were generating a lot more shots and chances than the Red Wings, but it's just kind of like the Flyers game a little bit all over again. Um, it was, um, I guess, all too familiar is the best way to put it. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really have any other way to, to put it at this point. It's just they have to find a way to get these, mis- get these miscues out of their game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. It was just sloppy play. It looked like these some of these guys never played hockey together. I and mean, granted, some of them haven't, but it's not like it's a huge overhaul of the lineup. It's just a couple key additions. Um, I will note, I have been slightly disappointed with Palat. He has been kind of non-existent in the first Yeah, game. I agree with that. Um, I think Dougie, you know, he played well uh, in the Red Wings game. Obviously, multi-points. Brat picking up another point. Um but what what is your opinion on and and I found this odd and I don't know if you have any more information on this or you were able to you know tap some sources on this one but what was your initial thought of having the lines that were you know broadcasted by Amanda Stein through her notebook which I love I love that little uh, thing she's got going there but those lines being supremely different to what then played out in the game even on the first shift. What like is Lindy now think he's you know Bill Belichick here just putting <laughs> false false lines out to, to no, screw so, with the team or like what what was going on there? No, so definitely not Bill Belichick, that's for sure. But um, yeah, I mean they started the first shift was uh, Tatar, Heischer, and Brat, and then they the lines kind of just formed um, to pretty much what they had in the pregames. Um, and then, like I said earlier, McLeod really didn't play that game at all. He played like four minutes, I think, the whole game, and most of it was uh, special teams time. So he's basically penalty killer. Um, then mostly Jack was double shifting with Yegor and Holtz. I think Nico got a couple double shifts in them too. But since it was his first game back, they weren't going to play him like twenty three minutes a game. So, so um, wait, yeah, I don't have inside info. Yeah, but what do you think of that? Like, you know, center depth isn't something that's an issue for this team. And now we're going to just double shift our top two centers with the fourth line every other time. Like that doesn't seem 
sustainable. Uh, it seems like a playoff type move where, you know, you're fighting, you really got to win a game. I mean, we're in game two and we're already coming out with these crazy tactics. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Or, or what, what do you think of that, Alex? Um, I don't think it's something you want to do every game, but every once in a while, if you want to play Jack like 25 minutes a night, I don't really have a problem with it. You're getting your best player on the team easily on the ice more often than you would be when you have four centers, say like a fourth line center who's playing eight to 10 minutes a game. You know, you reduce McLeod's minutes by five minutes and Jack's taking those minutes. So I don't really have an issue with it. I mean, he's just 21 years old too, so he's got the energy for it. Uh, so yeah, I like it. Uh, but, but at but the not same even time, so much, but not even so much Jack's ice time. That's fine. I agree with that. Get Jack on the ice as much as you can. But it's more about the continuity of lines and the yeah. continuity for a rookie, and uh, especially for Alexander Holtz, where he needs to build chemistry with a centerman. Right? He that that's the name of his game. Get set up, rip the puck, and if he has a new center every other line. And doesn't know who he's going to be out there with. Isn't that going to just create confusion in his head, confusion in his game, and and overall impact him? Uh, I'm not really. I'm I'm not sure about that. I, th- I think the more the issue I have with is that they decided to go with that strategy to double shift Jack, but it came at the expense of Sharon Govish and Holtz, who I don't. I'm pretty sure neither of them even cro- like came close to cracking ten minutes uh, of ice time for that game. So that's the issue I have with it more than that Jack was playing like double shifting kind of thing. Um, Sharon Govich and Holtz should not be playing fourth line minutes. I mean, Sharon Govich produced, um, he was the, I think he produced at a 25 goal pace last season or, or something, something close to that, right? He had 24 goals in 20, 76 games. So, and Holtz looked good against the Flyers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I guess, most, People who will be listening to this will be listening on Monday morning. So it'll be interesting to see what practice lines look like today. Um, if they bump up Sharon Govich and Holtz, I think, I mean, you got four goals in two games. So I think you have to do it. Uh, if you're not, I'm not really sure what we're doing here. But yeah, it, that stuff, well, it can't to be come fair, at, I don't think Lindy has any idea what the hell he's doing. So yeah, I mean, it's a little, I feel like some of it's a little too panicky. Yeah, I don't know if panic is the right mo- word for it, but uh, it's possible like he knows his seat is hot and trying to overthink some decisions a little bit as possible. I think you just have to go back to, you, you know, what, you know, works. And like I said, at the top of this episode is like, you know, Hughes and Sharon Govich works to do that. And you got Bratton and he to do that. And I think you should go from there. Just don't, don't overthink it, which I think he kind of did with the lines on Saturday. And even though they got off to a good start um, on Saturday, once they fell behind, it was kind of, you had to scramble to make, things up a little bit and then uh, it just kind of fell apart from there so yeah i mean to like lindy's credit i think for the most part through his two seasons with the doubles i've never had like too much of an issue with his line combos but to start the season they've haven't really made sense especially since a lot of the stuff they're trying right now they didn't even really bother trying during the preseason which is kind of a little confusing so We'll see what they look like when the practice, I think, is at noon. We'll see what like they decide to do. But I'm expecting Sharon Govich and Hughes to be back together. And Brad and Heesha were together for the game on Saturday. So there's at least that. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it just seemed panicky. It seemed naive. It seemed amateurish. Um, do you, uh, two questions for you. And we can start with the first one. What what are your thoughts on the power play line so far? What have you has anything been surprising to you outside of the lack of performance? Um, yeah, the most surprising thing to me is the second unit looks better than the first unit for the most part, and I'm surprised there's not a real true shooting threat on the first unit. Neither Holtz or Sharon Govich. I mean, Sharon Govich is not on either power play unit, which I don't understand um i think both sharon govich and holtz should be on the power play and one should be on one unit and the other should be on the other unit um if you want to have sharon govich on the first unit that's fine but i think holtz is probably a better fit for it um and then i think if i'm not mistaken i think tatar was on that first unit right uh so was it like tatar hughes heesher hamilton 
And I don't even think Brat was on the first unit, right? Wasn't he on the second unit? Yeah, he was on unit two. So, um, yeah, I'm, there's a little... And I don't know how much of that is on Lindy Ruff and how much of that is on Andrew Burnett, but since you kind of go on the past two seasons with some iffy power play combos, you got to have to think that probably more Lindy Ruff than Andrew Burnett at this point, but it's hard to know after two games. But yeah, I'm just surprised about like some of the pairs, Holtz and Sharon Govich should definitely be one-on-one unit, and then uh, you got to move Brad up to the first unit. That just not having him on the first unit really doesn't make any sense. I mean, but at the same time, it's like we've seen this multiple coaches, at least for the power play offensive offensive units, same players. Like at some point, it's got to be the players, right? Like the players need to come to perform. They need to make quick decisions. They need to not just, you know, fuck around with the puck on the sideboards until they think they have the perfect pass. Like something, you know, I, I get it. Like, you know, sure, coaching and strategy does help to a certain extent, but at what point do we really need to hold the players accountable for their lack of power play performance as well? Uh, that's tough to say because, you know, obviously Mark Recchi was the punching bag for the power play in the last two seasons. But if it still looks like this to start in the new season and with a new coach, I'm kind of thinking it's more on the rough than, you know, it was on Recchi or a brunette. I mean, the Panthers power play was an absolute wagon with Andrew Burnett. And obviously their roster was stacked last season, but it was still Andrew Burnett's power play. And he had been their power play coach for three seasons prior to taking over. Well, three seasons included with last season. So really two before taking over for Joel Quenville at the beginning of last season. And their power play had never finished with a percentage below 20 under him. So I don't really it's tough to I I think it's tough to blame the players right now because I'm leaning towards the power play struggles being more an issue of Lindy Ruff than you know with the players or Andrew Burnett. Yeah, I can see that. Totally can see that. Um, I, I I think it's a little bit of both. I think the players really need to to, to start performing better, and and yeah, definitely something's got to change with Ruff. Um, so it's not a question that I thought I'd be asking in this podcast or at least this point in the season, but where, how short do you think the leash is on Lindy's, um, Lindy's tenure? So if they don't win a game this week, they got three games from, uh, if I'm right, I think Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, if they don't win a game this, this week, I think you got a week. Uh, he's out next week. Like that would be, I don't think they would lose every game in regulation, but let's say they do that's zero and five or they go like Oh three and two or something like that you got to make the move immediately and let Brunette come in because he's going to make systemic changes and that takes a little bit of time for players to get used to. So you want him to get him in there right away. Um, But I think if we're talking a realist, more realistic timeline for him, I would probably say by the end of the month, if they're looking this way by November 1st, I would guess that's when Andrew Burnett takes over because they didn't hire, I think was it NRD who, uh, NHL Rumors Daily, for people who don't know who that is, tweeted last Great night. Follow. Yeah. Great follow for those on the on the hockey Twitter sphere. Yeah, if um, you're not following him, do, because he's well-connected, even though he doesn't have the blue check mark. But someone asked him, I think last night, a Devils fan asked him, uh, you know, what the what's the coaching situation like here in New Jersey? And he said they didn't hire Andrew Burnett to be an assistant all year. So, you know, I think the, sh- the leash is already pretty short because of the, how the two seasons went. Last two seasons went, and you see the way they started these first two games. If it doesn't get better here by the end of the month, I think after Halloween, you see a coaching change. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair assessment. I think the other thing that's been kind of weird, um, Lindy seems more, I don't know how to put this, aggressive in press conferences. And, and, And this is even excluding the Flyers press conference. He just seems agitated, tired. Something seems off. I don't know if there's more friction with the team. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but it just seems every time I watch a presser, it's not the Lindy of yesteryears where he's, you know, uh, going back and forth with the with the media in a positive manner or he's being friendly or stuff like that. It just seems like it's a different Lindy. Have you picked up on this at all, Alex? Um, not really. So, like, I saw a little bit of his press conference after the Red Wings game uh, last night, was, but I wasn't really paying attention to that. But, like, it wouldn't surprise me just, you know, based off of what's gone on the last two seasons. And then 
Yeah, I think, you know, as these losses continue to mount here, it's not going to take a lot for the players to start turning on him, um, especially, I keep saying this, but, you know, after the last two seasons, these are, like, pretty much the same players for the most part. Um, and they've been through a lot of losing. Uh, it's, like, close to 100 games, I think, this point at this point, if you include the overtime losses that they've dealt with. So, like, if they get off to a bad start here, say it's like 0-3-2 and or something, or like 1-3-1 or something like that in the first five games, the players are going to turn on him very quickly. Uh, they're obviously tired of it. Miles Woods said as much on Friday to Amanda Stein. He took a little flack for those comments, but I, I didn't really have an issue with them. I, I kind of like the mentality. Um, Incredible so- that he had to apologize for that, and I and I'm almost positive the team made him apologize for that. So it's wild to me that that actually happened. But yeah, sorry, I didn't think he needed off there. Yeah, no, it's all right. I didn't think he needed to apologize for that either. I thought he was right, and it's the right mentality to take with all the losing they've done. And you know, obviously the Red Wings game didn't work out the way he was hoping for, and I'm sure the rest of the team did. But yeah, I mean, what I and I'm talking about this in the article I'm writing that. It's going to be published by the time this podcast comes out or most when people listen to this on Monday morning. It's like if Miles feels that way, he's not speaking for the rest of the team, but I'm sure there are probably everyone on that roster who was there last season feels the same way as him. You know, I, I doubt like someone like Andre Palat or John Marino feels that way because they were on winning teams in the playoffs last season. But like guys like Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Sharon Govich, all them. Everyone who was around the last two seasons, really, I'm sure they feel the same way as Miles. So he may not be speaking for everyone, but in a way he is, because I'm sure everyone feels that way if the losses keep you know, piling up. Well, and even the more concerning thing is, is, is do we get into our own Jack Eichel situation of requesting a trade from Jack Hughes, right? Oh, uh, no, that's, that's way too far down the road. Like, if they make the change to Andrew Burnett, and there's no reason that they should, you know, if they're struggling that much, there's no reason to not go to him. If they go to him and the team turns it around, it's not an issue. And I don't think, I mean, Jack Eichel requested the trade when he was like 25, what, 25, 26 years old. Jack is Okay, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but you see. Yeah, you're getting way too ahead of yourself here. Don't don't even bring that up. We're not going there. <laughs> All right, we're not going done, there. Done, yeah, Fisherman's, done. Fisherman's been docked, as they yeah, say. We're not going there. <laughs> 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 okay, um, but you know, I, I did hear something interesting in yesterday's presser, and I think this will lead us nicely into our next section. And and you tweeted about this, so uh, for those who aren't following, a uh, quick plug for the Twitter there, Alex. Alex C underscore uh, thw. There we go. Go follow Alex. Best follow in Devils <laughs> hockey. Um, but besides that shameless plug, now we have Nico. And he was asked about the defensive system last night. Um, and basically, in my eyes, and I forget who, who called this out, but it was definitely an indictment on Ruff and his system. He said that, uh, and, and listen, I'm not quoting here. And if you're expecting exact quotes from our podcast, well, this is the wrong podcast for you. Um, but <laughs> basically, what you know, the gist of it was, is that there's confusion. People don't know where to go when, and they don't know how to read certain situations. And it it really seemed to me, and and I don't know if this is a continuation of last year, that Nico just doesn't like (laughs) Lindy's system. Even in the, even at the season end pressers last year, when they were cleaning out lockers, Nico was noticeably the one player that did not give a ringing endorsement to Lindy Ruff. Um, So I don't know if I'm reading into that too much or whatnot, but Alex, what are your thoughts, A, on Nico's comments, but secondly, what are your thoughts on the system and what needs to be changed, more specifically in the defensive zone? Yeah, so we'll start with Nico's comments. Um, I saw the tweet that, I guess, like um, didn't go viral, but it, it got around on Twitter, Devil's Twitter at least. I saw it. I didn't see Nico's press conference, so like I don't know what he said exactly, but if he did say that, it would be the first time I can recall someone questioning Lindy Ruff's system, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and like you said, he didn't really, he didn't go out of his way to praise Lindy Ruff at his, um, you know, his exit interview back in April or May or whenever that was. Um, so that's interesting for sure. Um, if he did say there's like systemic issues, you know, I don't, I, I don't disagree with him. That's basically the gist of what I'm writing for about here. Um, is that the, 
while the goaltending, Devils goaltending has really been terrible, um, especially these first two starts of the season, at a certain point, um, you, you can't blame the goalies solely. You have to start, if this keeps happening, you have to look at it, why else is, what else is going on here? And maybe why the goalies have been so bad and that, you know, I think it can be mutual that it's both the goalies being bad and that the system is not helping them. So it's making matters worse for them. So that's kind of what I'm looking at in the press uh, press conference, the article I'm writing here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if you know, I think there's definitely merit to it, because if you look at the devil's defensive numbers, they're not terrible, but they're also not great. And I think just as a whole system defensively, it's not exactly risk averse their system. Like if something breaks down, even if it's minor, I think it doesn't take a lot for other things to snowball and turn down into more breakdowns and just like a single shift. So, yeah, I think if Nico did say that stuff and when we're done recording here, I'm going to go listen to what he said. Exactly. I think there's merit to it. And I think it's, uh, I think it's combining it's, it's, uh, combining is not the right word either. I think it's definitely amplifying the goaltender's struggles, and that's why you've seen Vanacek and Blackwood uh, struggle in these first two starts. And if you even look back to Blackwood before Lindy Ruff showed up, he was at least like a league average goaltender and probably a little bit better than that. And you know, Vanacek was pretty solid in his first two seasons with the Capitals. You know, he's only made one start for the Devils, so like I can't say like, oh well, his Lindy Ruff system is really affecting Vanacek, especially since he looked pretty good in the preseason, but. Yeah, I think there's definitely merit to the systemic issues that are kind of plaguing the Devils here, and that's why I think inevitably in the next couple of weeks we're going to see Andrew Burnett take over as coach. I don't think these systems are going to resolve themselves with Lindy Ruff because it's been two seasons of this now, and if they haven't resolved themselves at this point, I just don't see it happening over the next couple of weeks. So I think it's yeah. – yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think you make great points there, Alex. I think the other thing we have to think back to is, is – and correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't Lindy the defensive coach for the Rangers under Quinn? Yeah, defense and, they, and penalty kill. I'm and pretty they sure. Historically, bad yeah. penalty kill and defense under him yeah. for the Rangers. Correct. Yeah, I mean the penalty kill was pretty terrible when he was there. Uh, historically bad defense. I don't know if I would go that far, but yeah, I mean they Below were bad the defensively. Too. They, no, Below they were definitely the... yeah, they were definitely bad defensively too. But at the yeah, same time, so, too, those rosters weren't good when he was there, too. They were still in that rebuilding phase, so it's a little tough to assess. But, I mean, if you even take it back further to his Dallas Stars days, I mean, they weren't a good defensive team under him, too. It's just that back then the league was different. Um, you know, to, he took over as Stars head coach in 2013 and was there until 2017. And scoring was not what it was back then. I mean, Jamie Benn won the Art Ross with, what, like 87 points or something like that. Now you got guys putting up 100 points pretty consistently uh you know johnny goudreau matthew kachuk last year mcdavid obviously leon dreisaitl it's happening a lot more often than it was when lindy ruff was the head coach of the stars so you could get away with a run and gun system like that back then because no one else could score so but now everyone's scoring goals so when you're giving up uh, a lot defensively it's probably going to show up in the back of the net more often than it did back then because the game has changed so much since then so i think that's another thing to consider when you look at lindy ruff's system uh like Last time he was a head coach, the game was a lot different than it is now. Yeah, no, all great points. And um, and just, Alex, you, you expect that article to be out tomorrow? Yeah, I'm done with it. It just needs a final edit, so I'll schedule it tonight, and it will be up on Monday morning. Big D going to give it the once-over? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Shout out to Big D. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um okay well with with that being said let's transition to a new segment that we want to introduce to everyone and and if you've listened to alex on other podcasts uh throughout the years and throughout and if you read him religiously like i do um both on infernal access and the hockey writers alex is a wizard with the stats um he i remember what podcast were you on um before the season started where they came on and you had to convince them of advanced analytics uh oh um yeah i forget it was last change um yeah with uh, rickus and andrew timoni 
I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But yeah, shout yeah, yeah. shout out to them. That was a fun pod. podcast. I enjoyed doing that one. So, so with that being said, we are going to step into the Shavansi stack corner, and 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 the the purpose of this segment is for Alex to kind of give us his favorite stats from the past week. Um, and granted, we've only had two games, but Alex, why don't you why don't you give us some stats to chew on uh, until next week's pod? Yeah, so I know a lot of fans, you know, well, it goes both ways, but expected goals percentage is something I looked at a lot. I look at a lot throughout the season. Usually what I do is look at them in 10 game rolling averages. But since we've only played two games so far, you know, it is what it is. Um, The Devils through two games, they rank second in the NHL and expect the goals percentage at 71.58%. The only team with a better rate right now is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm pretty sure I think they played a couple of more games than Devils. Let me see. No, they've also played two games. So, yeah, even though the Devils have lost their first two games, 5-2, I think it speaks a little bit to how bad their goaltending has been through two games. Sure, they've, they've had some defensive breakdowns and stuff that are not helping. But generally speaking, they've been controlling play through their first two games. And, you know, a 71% expected goals percentage is not sustainable throughout 82 games. So it's going to come down into the 50s at some point. But, I mean, they've looked, like, especially up front, I think they've looked really... There's Their forwards have looked really, really good. Uh, and the goals are not coming. But, I mean, if they keep generating chances at the way they are, they're, they're going to show up eventually. So I'm not concerned about that. So... That's and one stat of, right now. Yeah, and for some of our novice listeners or, or newcomers <clears throat> to to the NHL um, or to statistics in general, um, could you could you give us a little bit more insight into what that actually means? Expected goals. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's a shot based metric that's based on volume and the chances the chance of a shot being a goal. So like. If you're getting shots from in tight, like in the slot and around the crease, you're going to have a better expected goals percentage. Likewise, on the opposite, in the defensive zone, if you're not giving up shots that often from those areas, your defensive expected goals will look better. So it's um, it's a combination of your de- expected goals for and your expected goals against. So like when this is going to be a tough thing to sell because the Devils have lost their first two games five two. But their first two games, they were not giving up a lot and they were generating a ton. Um, just the unfortunate thing is when they had defensive breakdowns, they ended up in the back of the net. So like, you know, all too familiar once again. So, yeah, that's expected goals. It almost it almost feels like uh, and, and for for some of our folks, I know you don't come here for NFL commentary, but it almost feels like a little bit of a San Diego Chargers esque. Uh, or I guess I should say Los Angeles Chargers esque where you know you dominate on both sides of the ball statistically, <clears throat> but you still lose the game uh, pretty regularly. And yeah, uh, and and Sha- is it CJ with the winometer? Is it CJ? Yeah, he's got no shame in sharing that. Me, I'm not doing that right now. I can't. I can't do it. But he's gonna. He'll be sharing it. You know what? You know what? Your mentions to blow up. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's enough going on right now. He can take care of the deserve to win a meter for for the time being. <laughs> Shout out to CJ. Always welcome on the pod. Now, um, so thank you. That is our first official uh, Shavansi stack corner. Now, yeah, uh, the I got one more. Oh, yeah, I got oh, one more. All right, let's yeah. back up the truck. Yes. We have opened the stack corner back up. <laughs> Alex, give it to us one more stat. Yeah, so I shared it on Twitter, and the, the tweet got a pretty decent amount of attention, but the Devils' save percentage per natural statric at all strengths through two games is 782. Holy shnikes, Batman. 78.2%. That's how bad Vanacek and Blackwood have been in two games. But like I said when I tweeted it, that's so bad that it's actually unsustainably terrible. So, like, that has to rebound positively. It literally cannot get worse than that. If it does get worse than that, I don't really know. Is that a two-game record? Is that a two-game record? No, I'm sure because, you know, in two games, weird things happen. I actually – I have to go back and – let me look this up real quickly, but I'm pretty sure it's not even the worst save percentage in the league right now. I think the the Minnesota Wild – yeah, Minnesota Wild are worse right now. At seventy-seven point two seven, because Mark Andre Fleury has been awful in his uh, to start the season. So, yeah, the Devils have had really bad goaltending to start, 
but it's somehow not been the worst through two games. But like, yeah, like I was saying, it's so bad that it's unsustainably terrible. Like no team finishes with a below 80, 800 save percentage for the season. Even eight below 850 is very, very rare. I'd have to go back and look up how often that's happened, especially in the modern era. So that has to get better. It could just get better as soon as Tuesday night. Mackenzie Blackwood, I'm assuming, is going to get that start and you could have a shutout. I mean, eventually goal, the puck just hits goalies and the the puck doesn't go in the net or it misses wide or something like eventually luck is going to change their way. So yeah, if you were wondering how bad devil's goaltending has been to start the season, that's how bad it's been. And it's actually been so bad. It should actually get better. It, that's kind of like, it's almost like a rock bottom kind of thing. I love the optimism, Alex. I love the optimism. I love the stats. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's a wrap on our first ever Shavansi stat corner. Now, if there are better names for that for that segment, please send them along to Alex on Twitter yeah. or to NJD underscore Devils on the Rush uh, Twitter handle, where you can find all news <coughs> surrounding the podcast. Uh, I think yeah. Al- I think Alex uh, live tweeted the game from some of their uh, from from that account as well. Yeah, I sent a couple of tweets out from that account, but usually I'm tweeting about games from my personal account. So. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the keys to that one. <laughs> soon. <laughs> Hashtag soon. <laughs> Hashtag soon. All right, great. So let's roll into our next segment. And this segment is for the bad, ugly, and worst. Uh, we have a new segment on the pod called Devil's Dungeon. So, Alex, who are you throwing in the dungeon this week? Uh, so this is a really tough one because... It's easy to put Lindy Ruff in there, and I'm going to because it's been some of the same problems that have plagued the Devils in his first two seasons as coach. But I'm also throwing Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek in there because they were just really bad also. So I think it goes both ways. We're going to be throwing Lindy Ruff in the Devils' dungeon for the first two games of the season as well as Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood because even though there's been defensive breakdowns in front of them, they also have to be much better than they've been. So... They're in the dungeon, and they need to get out of it this week, or things are going to get out of spiral out of control too quickly. Well, there, 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 you have it, and I and I have one addition to the dungeon. Uh, wow. All right, let's go for it. Yeah, and you you might have picked up on this earlier in the podcast, but Ryan Graves. Oh yeah, the, he's going in the dungeon. I mean, yeah. he, terrible reads, terrible decisions on when to check people, when to where to be in the defensive zone, especially in a contract year. And I've never seen someone have such great shot opportunities or shot chances and then be so meaningless. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy is always open and he shoots the puck and it just, you know, gets absorbed by the goaltender. At least take one that's low and maybe we'll get a rebound or a soft wrister that can get deflected. Something. Just don't just wind it up and hope for the best. And and, and I'm sorry. I can't reiterate it enough. His defensive decisions have been atrocious. And thank God John Marino is on that pairing because if it was anyone else, those games would have been way worse than 5-2. Yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I can see you got some strong feelings about him there. Um, but I do agree with you. Yeah, you he's, try he's, sitting up top uh, at a fil- uh, at a Flyers game, yeah, and and getting lampooned, and then having to drive home in that damn monsoon. I was gonna yeah, say you, it was yeah, pouring that night, so um, yeah, that's tough. But I agree with you on Graves. It's not been a good start for him. So Graves, Panacek, Blackwood, and Ruff, you guys are in the Devil's Dungeon for the first two games. You got three games to get yourselves out of it this week, and. For the sake of the team, you better get out of it because things will get bad if you don't. And that's that. Um, so we'll, we'll see next week if if they've been able to make it out. Now let's move into our third and final new segment uh, for this week's pod. And this is hopefully going to bring some bright spots and some smiles to our listeners. We're going to do a traditional three stars of the week. Um Alex, why don't you kick us off with your three stars? Start with the third star. Third star? All right. So third star, I had been thinking, uh, going a couple different ways here, but third star, I'm going to go with Sharon Govich, even though his limited ice time. Um, 
through the first two games, especially against the Red Wings. I don't really have really an explanation for it, but he played pretty well, and I think he's going to pop at some point. Actually, no, let's switch that up. I'm not going to Sharon Govich. Dougie Hamilton went, played pretty well. And I, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to have to call a timeout on that, Alex. Once all right, a timeout, timeout. All right, once a name, all right, we'll stick with Sharon Govich. We're, we're going to keep strict rules on this podcast, Alex. Uh, <laughs> we're going to hold ourselves to a, to a bar higher than the devils themselves hold them. But if a name has been uttered for a star, that is the name that will be inserted. So right. as of right now, Sharon Govich is your third star. I, I have no issue with that because I thought Sharon Govich played well, even though he hasn't found the score sheet. I just think the op- he needs more opportunities, and they should be giving it to him. Um, but he pl- he was really good against that fly- in the Flyers game, and that was before he went on the line with Hughes and Jesper Bratt. Uh, he looked good. I think what was that line to start? Was it Eric Halla and Jesper Bratt? Maybe so. He looked good with that. Um, he played well, and I think there are good things coming for him if his role increases. All right, great. And who is your second star of the week, Alex? Yeah, so even though he hasn't found the score sheet yet, it's going to be Jack Hughes because he's creating... I mean, that Red Wings game, he could have had a multi-point game easily, and he probably could have at least had one point against the Flyers. Uh, If he keeps creating chances the way he is, don't think it'll be much of an issue for him finding the score sheet uh, in time, even as soon as tomorrow night against the Ducks. So... I think um, he's coming to play tomorrow. We'll yeah, he's come to play the first two games. I haven't had an issue no, with you. I know, but he's got his buddy yeah. across the across the ice. Oh right, Trevor Zegers. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, right. Let's yeah. Hope, let's just hope Jack doesn't go out tomorrow night. Yeah. No. Yes. Get get a good night's rest. You know, <laughs> it's a Monday night. You shouldn't be going out anyways. Um, but yeah, he's my second star. Uh, I thought he, you know, like I said, even though he hasn't found the score sheet, he's played really well. And I think the goals and the assists are going to be, once they start coming, they're going to be coming in waves. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. I need a stick toss, Alex. I need a stick toss. Uh, yeah, stick toss against Zegers would be pretty cool. All right, Alex, let's wrap it up with your first star of the week. Yeah, so Mr. He's not gotten enough minutes, Jesper Bratt, uh, played really, he was really, really great in the first two games of the season. Obviously, in the multi-point night against the Flyers, and then he found the score sheet against against the Red Wings, and just I mean the play driving ability and everything that you want from him in a top six role has been there. Uh, yeah, I'd probably say he was the Devils, Devils' best skater uh, through the first two games, even more so than Jack. Uh, just you know, especially that Flyers game. I mean, that the Flyers couldn't do anything against Jesper Bratt when he was on the ice. So, yeah, my first star of the week is Jesper Brett, and hopefully he's playing more than 16 minutes going forward. Fantastic. Now, um, my third star of the week is going to be John Marino. Uh, I thought John had a solid first two games. I thought, you know, he made up for a lot of people's errors. I think he reads the game great. Um, I think overall i think it's been a a good good first two games for john and i hope he continues it um and i you know i hope he doesn't have to erase all of these bad mistakes from his defensive partner going forward but if he continues playing the way he is it will just be a huge benefit to the team for my second star of the week i am going to go with Douglas Hamilton. Uh, oh, I think stealing, you're stealing my guy. Am I stealing it or did you no. just fumble? Yeah. I think you fumbled I, I, on the I, goal I, line. You I fumbled, fumbled the bag. The I fumbled yeah, the bag. You yeah. did. So uh, Dougie Hamilton, easy, easy one for me at number two. Um, points, uh, multi-point game in the second one. I thought he played well in the first one. Um, I would still like to see more out of him. I still would like to see him dominate games like he like he did at points last season and I think that will come I I think it's still early but for him to get on this to get a goal early in the season get another assist he's still generating plenty of great opportunities even the pass I that pass to I don't know if it was intended or not but it was in his direction so I'll say it was intended to Fabian on the second goal against uh, the Red Wings great vision Um, yeah no that was definitely intended for him for sure yeah, he's one of maybe ten people in the NHL from on the back end that that have that vision to make that pass. So uh, keep it up, Dougie. Um, you know, could I ask for more? Sure. Yeah. Can you quarterback a damn fucking power play? Sure. Let's get there next. Maybe you get the first star. But for right now, we'll give you the second star this week. 
And and for first star of the week, I think I'm gonna ha- and I'm gonna go a little bit outside the box here, but Ooh. I'm gonna have to give it to the Devils fans. Uh, and, and, right. and the reason and the reason I'm saying that is is because I'm not saying because you showed up strong to the Flyers game, which you did. Kudos to you. Not because you showed up strong to the home opener. Yes, you did. But what's different this year is you're holding the team accountable. And that's what we need. I think the Devils fans have such high expectations for this season that it's not just going to be like, oh, we're young. Oh, goaltending sucks. Oh, Lindy sucks. No, you you have valid points. You, you're coming to the social media platforms with with a hunger, with 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 being hungry for winning. And, and I think after being beaten down so many repeated seasons of just poor losing and and to want to win, just keep it up devils fans, because I I am convinced this will turn around at some point. I don't know who's going to be at the helm, but this will turn around. So the first star of the week goes to my fellow devils fans. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, obviously devils fans have been through a lot specifically the last two years and that they're still holding it together and kind of like, doing their best to stick through it you know you gotta you you definitely have to appreciate it and yeah i agree with you it will turn around at some point i just don't know when who's gonna be the coach but yeah that's a good one great so now we have our three stars of the week let's let's look at the week ahead uh we've kind of touched on this a little bit we have two home games and one away the away game is sandwiched in between the two home ones we have the Ducks on Tuesday. We have the Isles on Thursday and the Sharks on Saturday. Let's start with the Ducks on Tuesday, Alex. We should win this, right? We should have won the Flyers game. Sure, Red Wings is a toss-up where I think, you know, a highly competitive team. But the Ducks, they're not good. You're not going to convince me that they're good. We didn't play well against them last year. This if if Saturday was a must win game, I can't. I, what, what do we call Tuesday's game? What do we call Tuesday's game if Saturday's was a must win? Uh, I mean, Tuesday's game is should be like called. I guess you better win this one because you're a better team than them. I, it's the best crappy name I could come up with it uh, for it. But we'll start I mean, to whiteboard you, that one. Yeah, we're gonna have to whiteboard. We're gonna have to whiteboard the rest of the week because when you look at the rest of the week, it's they should really win every game i guess the islanders one was no, the top they should one. win every game but i will i will be fine with two and three uh two yeah and I, two and i would be fine with that too and it did it would be nice if they beat the islanders but i mean you can't the, the san jose sharks look really bad you san gotta jose win the sharks are an ahl team let's be real yeah they're they're in the bedard sweet sweepstakes like the devil should not be in that conversation with them and the ducks are and, better than the sharks but they should they're better than the ducks too they should win these games really all three of them they got to be competitive in all three of them. They're better well, teams. If we if we're going to consider ourselves a future playoff team, this this should be a sweep this week. Yeah, I mean, this is they have a favorable schedule to start the season. So, like, if they lose these all these games, I don't. What do you? I mean, there's nothing else you can do other than make a coaching change. It's just inexcusable. On paper, they should be better than all these teams. So, like, I know I got ahead of myself by talking about the rest of the week, but I mean, they all look. On paper, it's like all the same thing. The Devils are better than all three of these teams, and they should win these games. Hundred percent agree. I think if there's nothing else to say, these are games that must be won. There must be a noticeable difference in play. There must be a better result on the ice. And if it doesn't come off of this head, get rid of Lindy Ruff. Let's rip the bandaid off. None of this little, you know. We're 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 gonna the get answers the in the room kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. The answers yeah. in the room. The players need to do this. The players need to do that. Sure. Yeah, they do. But sometimes you just need a damn new voice telling you what to do. Yeah. And it seems like Lindy's voice is going on deaf ears at this point. Yeah, that sounds kind of what I talked about a little bit earlier too. Is like it's not going to take a lot for these players to turn on him with all the losing over the last two seasons. So yeah, I mean, if they lose these three games this week, I think. That's that. I think you get the coaching change. I mean, at least you should. Yeah, don't worry. They'll announce it at you know seven p.m. on a Sunday night. Yeah, well, yeah. The we're gonna be live when they're they're uh, announcing the fire next weekend. So, well, let, let let's hope let's hope that's not the case, and we can yeah three wins. I I, I would take the wins. Whatever. I just rather take the wins. Just start winning games. All right. Well, with that, that is the end of episode four 
of Devils on the Rush. Uh, thanks to Alex Chavance and our special guest, Lucille. Uh, <laughs> we will catch you next week. Um, as we said, we're going to be on a weekly schedule. Um, if, if any news does come up and we need to do an emergency pod, we will do it, but that's at the discretion of both of our schedules. Um, but with that being said, three games this week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, let's go devils. Let's go devils. Take care. Take care.